So good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> uh, so for those who are online, my name is Erica Lavalli. I'm part of the, uh, the preaching team here at Living Hope. And so it's just an honor to be part of the team that the pastor has uh, set up. So there are, when our pastors are away or just also uh, we work here as a team at this church, so they do take, we do take turns at times. So I just want to, before we start, I just want to thank everyone who, who was involved in making the activity for the kids yesterday happen. It's such a blessing to see a church that cares so deeply for our young ones, and that is part of the God's heart. You know, Jesus said, let the little ones come to me. And so we can see that uh, our children have a precious and uh, special place in our congregation's heart. So I want to thank everyone who, uh, for those who took care of the hot dogs and the hot chocolate, Roxanne and Annette, and uh, for all the men who worked really hard at digging that trail. <laughs> okay, yes, I am short. Yeah, <laughs> goodness. So before we uh, continue or we start, I just want to take a moment to pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your presence. And I want to thank you for this body. And I ask, oh God, that you would just speak to your church this morning. God, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive, our ears to hear, our eyes to see what it is that you want to speak to us, each, everyone, individually. You are a personal God. And so we just ask that you would have your way with us, that you would reign over our hearts, over our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing with our series called Discover. And so uh, we had started this series uh, back in January, and part of it was called, you know, the intent to grow. So they talked about having the intent to grow, intent to read the word, intent to wel welcome the Holy Spirit. And our brother Doug uh, spoke last week of the importance of the presence of God. And so I kind of want to continue on that topic and talk about the importance of the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Glory is kind of like a term that we use a lot in church, but what does it mean? Well, just to give you a, a bit of an idea, you know, have you ever had that moment when you realize how small you are, whether it's standing in front of, or on top of a mountain, or being uh, in the middle of the ocean with just water to see, and, or looking over a cliff? It just makes you realize how small you are and the bigness that's all around you. But that's just still doesn't quite compare to being in awe of the glory of God. You know, I had this moment of just awe uh, many years ago when I was in university and we went to the, an observatory. Don't ask me where it is because I don't, it was dark at night and I don't, it was a long ride. I don't know where it was, but we went to this observatory. And in the observ observatory, they met us. It was kind of where there's a, this giant telescope and you can see uh, in outer space. And they had to sit all around inside of the, where the telescope was in the observatory. And they had this projector. And you could see all of the stars, all of the planets. And they kind of give you an idea of what the universe looks like. For those who are teachers and had Science East, uh, science East come with their little <laughs> dome, it was kind of similar uh, project. But it was what I just... I left that experience just with a greater understanding of how small I am, but how great the universe is, and really 
that the God of the universe holds all of that. So just to give you an idea, if you go to the next slide, it takes 13.1 million Earths to equate to the size of the sun. You think about that. We're very small in comparison to the sun. And there's approximately 200 billion suns in our galaxy alone. And there are over 100 billion galaxies, or maybe more than that, they, they don't know exactly the number, in our universe. And God holds that universe. When you think about how big that is, how small we are, yet God holds all of it. Not only does he hold it, but he holds it together. Now, that's just one aspect of God's glory, his power, his creative power. And he spoke all of that. He spoke it into existence. Now, that's the power of our God. But that's just still a small glimpse of who, who our God is. And just, I remember on that drive, you know, on the bus, a very long drive on the bus back, all I could do, you know, was praise God. All I could do was just stand in wonder and awe. And I left that, you know, I was just with many unbelievers. They just thought, yeah, it's cool scientific facts. But being a believer and then understanding the, just the logistics of all of that and just the grandeur of who God is, it just kind of left me standing aback. Dr. Charles Stanley says that the glory, glory refers to God's honor, his majesty, and his worthiness. Those undescribable characteristics of the, of the features of God. So when we're giving him glory, we're giving him the honor, the majesty, we're recognizing who he truly is. And Dr. Tony Evans explains that the word glory means weight or heaviness. So when, we're, when you're in front of God's glory, it's not just something small. It is weighty. It is heavy. It is something that you in, when you encounter it, you cannot leave God's glory unchanged. You cannot leave God's glory, God's presence, just, you know, the same or with the same understanding. And, you know, when we think of the word glory, he says that it kind of, it, the closest description would be, you know, awe-inspiring or awesome. Mind you, you know, that word has kind of lost its value. I don't know if people say something and you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it just means like, oh, that's okay now, you know. We kind of lost that, the, the full expression of that word. It's kind of lost its meaning, but God hasn't lost his meaning. God hasn't lost his, his awesomeness, but we've lost sight of his awesomeness. And so seeing God's glory is for those who would want it. You know, it's that deeper part of really getting a glimpse of God. We can experience his presence from afar, or we can draw in closer and get a full glimpse, of, a full view of who he is. In Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, and his deeds to the people of Israel. There's an important distinction here because if we go to Exodus uh, chapter 20, verses 18 to 21, God gives the people of Israel an opportunity to encounter him. And when they do, they become fearful and they don't want, they don't want any of it. In verse 18, it says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in, mountain in smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, 
Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you uh, from keep on seeing. And the key thing here says the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So the opportunity to experience God on a more personal level was there. But they decided, that's not quite for us. You can go seek God on our behalf. You can, you know, do the seeking. Give us a word. We'll be fine with that. We don't want to experience God for ourselves because we're uncomfortable with this. And have you ever been with someone who has been with God and it feels like they can see right through you? You know how uncomfortable. I've been in those places with these people and it's just like, I'm like, do they know? You know, like, it feels like, I'm like, I haven't, you know, I haven't been the believer I should be, or, you know, like, and you feel just that, that sense. But when that person has been with God, when they are reflecting God's glory, it makes our sin uncomfortable. The people of Israel weren't ready to let go of their idols. They weren't ready to fully be surrendered to God, and it made them uncomfortable. The Being exposed, their sin exposed, their hearts exposed, because in the presence of God, God's light shines on everything, right? So why do you think it's such a battle, such a struggle for us to spend some close time with Jesus? What do you think? Why do you think it's so difficult? Do you think our flesh feels comfortable in God's presence? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's like, ugh, you know, I'd rather watch, you know, a few more TikTok videos than, you know. It's that, it, it's that struggle at times just to be quiet, even being quiet with ourselves. We're, we're in a society where everything is, there's so many opportunities to distract our minds so we don't see our hearts. But in God's presence, when we're quiet enough to listen, to hear, God reveals all things. And there's times where we don't feel like we're, you know, we're right enough to stand in front of God's presence. I don't know about you, but there's times where it's just I've been struggling and I've been shut down for a while. And there's things that are stressing me out. And even just the thought of going before God, I feel guilty for all the times where I haven't spent time with him or feel condemned because I should have brought all of these situations before God and I'm kind of in that mess because I haven't. <laughs> and so where there's that avoidance, just different types of personalities, but I'm one of those who likes to avoid things, you know, the put your head in the sand. It's a lot easier, it seems. But what we don't understand is that we don't have to make ourselves right to be before God. When we go before God, he is the one who makes us right. And once we understand it, it becomes a little easier to come before him. But those, there are those who want to see the glory of God and who had intent to welcome God, to come before him and to seek him diligently. He says, those who seek me shall find me. That's what God says. In Daniel, I'm going to give you some, a few examples of different people who experienced God's glory. And you can see just the, the effects. So you have the prophet Daniel. You have Moses. You have the prophet Isaiah and many more. But I'm just going to use those examples today just to give you an idea of what it is that they experience. Because sometimes we don't know what we're missing. We think that the Christian life is just this. 
just the following the rules, just the going to the church on Sunday, just paying my tithes, just being nice to my neighbor. But the Christian walk, the Christian life, the relationship with God is so much more. It is way more than we could have ever imagined, but we just have not tasted and seen how good the Lord is. So in Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 12, Daniel has been fasting for a long time. He, he had intent to seek the Lord. Daniel was one of those leaders that from the, they had been um, uh, captive, taken captive by a, another nation. And God supernaturally puts Daniel in a position of authority, a position of influence. But Daniel's no fool. He knows that he needs Jesus. He needs God. He needs God's wisdom. And so he seeks the Lord and he fasts for many days and prays. And in verse 12, he says, you know, he encounters God and then he, he continues, says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. So God really showed Daniel, says, I've, I've seen your heart cry. You know, we, I think that sometimes we're so, you know, we're so used to just doing the everyday, just the surviving everyday. But what if we took time with intent to seek the Lord? What, would we not find him? Would we not find him in greater measure? And in uh, Exodus 33, this is describing the encounter Moses had with God. In verses 12 to 18, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who, whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and I have found favor, uh, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, well, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you ask because I am pleased with you and I know your name. And then Moses asked something that he had never asked before. Now show me your glory. It wasn't just enough for Moses to see God's acts because Moses had seen God's acts. He had seen his miracles. He had seen his powerful works operate. He had seen the 10 plagues. God split the sea, but he said, I don't want to just see what you do. I want to know who you are. And there's something so much greater. And we're going to see what the wonders of knowing who God is. See, Moses wanted more than God's acts. He wanted to know God. And on many occasions where the people encountered God's glory in the Bible, what is their response? When they come face to face with the glory of God, what is the response? They bow down before him. They recognize their sin and they recognize God's greatness. Isaiah, in the, in the face of God's presence, 
He recognizes right away his sin, but it isn't an, a, a condemnation. It's just a recognition, recognition of the facts. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the, king, the Lord Almighty. He recognizes his sin. He recognizes God's greatness in, in that situation. And so when we come face to face with the glory of God, we will see our sin. We will see who we are, but who God is. And in Exodus 34, 8 to 9, when Moses sees God's glory, he bows down to the ground at once and worshiped. That's the response that comes out of seeing and experiencing God's glory. Daniel 10, verses 8 and 9 says, So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. It's just an overwhelming. God's presence, God's glory is overwhelming. I don't know about you. I want to experience his glory in that sense. Really, that's when we, our eyes are really open. Our hearts are really open to the idea of God's greatness. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, that always kind of cracks me up a little bit. When Jesus is transfigured and the disciples see him, they just don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> well, maybe we can build a temple. I don't know what we're supposed to do here. <laughs> and, but, you know, and as soon as they hear God's voice saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. They understood that something so much greater I mean, if you meet a bear, you know that that thing is much greater than you. But imagine God meeting up with God, someone so much. But it's not, he's not just great, but he is loving. That's who he is. And so what else is it that they meet when they, they meet his greatness, but they also meet his love? And it's always so, it always so amazes me because those moments where I've just felt, you know, that like I was a really bad Christian or I just feel really bad about myself in general, I don't have a really good view. Anytime that I've come before God and, and been quiet and listened, I've sensed God's view of me is totally different than mine. His love just comes and comforts my heart and helps me to refocus. And he comes alongside of me so that we can resolve the issues. He doesn't pound on me like, oh, well, I knew you were going to fail me anyway. You know, that's not God's attitude. God comes alongside of us, but he first, he lifts us up. He lifts us up. And you see it, how God just gives the most undeserving characteristics to his subjects. And that's actually what he really thinks of, of them. You know, th remember Gideon? You know, oh, great man of valor. <laughs> he was hiding in a wine press, you know? And God comes and he speaks his acceptance and he speaks his love over the people. But if, if we spent time in God's presence in, in that, that, and seeing his glory, would we not have a different view of ourselves? Would we not have a different view of our circumstances? Would we not have a different view of him? Because really, it speaks of something of what we believe about him. When we know that we have a God who is accepting, who is loving, who speaks kindness over us, 
doesn't it make you want to love him all the more? You know, in Exodus 33, God says to him, he says, I know you by name. You know what? I don't just know you generally. I know you by name, Moses. And he doesn't say just that. He says, he says I, you found favor with me. You're special to me, Moses. You know, have you heard God's voice over you lately say, I know your name, that you're special to me, that you're precious to me, that you're important to me? You know, would it not help us to fight off all of those negative thoughts that come over us? You know, the times where we beat ourselves over, if we only knew that God doesn't talk to me that way, God doesn't speak of me that way, and I can put that thought in its rightful place because this is what God says. I have found favor with the Lord, not because of my righteousness, but because Jesus has paid it all. Amen? And he says, you know, that he's well pleased with Moses. And now you think about Moses for a minute, for a moment. You know, this man who is always kind of like unsure of his, you know, he's got a temper issue. He's, you know, he's killed a man. And, you know, he's, you know, when God asks him, oh, well, well, don't really send me. I've got, I've got, you know, I have a hard time talking in front of people. And, you know, how about you just, you know, send someone else to talk instead of me. And God's, he's come, God's almost like dragging him along the way. But God saw something in Moses that Moses didn't see in himself. And God sees, sees things in you that you don't see in yourself because he's created you. He knows what you're made of, even though you don't see it. He sees it. And when we're in front of God's glory, not only do we see him in who, what he's made of, but we start seeing what he says about us and what he's made us to be. And when God uh, reveals himself to Daniel, he says, you who are highly esteemed. God wanted Daniel, he wanted to minister to Daniel's heart, knowing everything that Daniel was going through because he wasn't living an easy life. Even though he was in a position of influence, he was faced with the constant threat of persecution, constant of, you know, threat of death. I mean, he was thrown in a lion's den. But yet God wanted to make sure that, Daniel, I, you're important to me. I want you to know what you, I think of you. You're highly esteemed by me, Daniel. And when God answers that prayer of Moses to reveal his glory, when God reveals his glory, he doesn't just show his magnificence. He doesn't just show his strength and his power and his holiness. What is it that he speaks? If you have your devices or Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Exodus 34, verses 5 to 7. So Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. What he says and what he reveals of himself. He says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. God showed who he was to Moses. And he says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. What does God choose to show and reveal of himself but first his love? Mm -hmm. 
He says, this is who I am. First and foremost, Moses, I want you to understand that. And there's actually a, a verse, I don't know if it's Jeremiah or Isaiah, it, that says, if any man glories, let him glory in this, that I am the Lord who executes loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. He starts with the loving kindness. And he continues, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, but not just abounding, maintaining love to to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. And yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and, uh, and their children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation. He says, I'm right. I'm love first, but I'm also righteous. I'm love first, but I'm also just. That's the God that we serve. Now, those are words. These are, you know, I intellectual understanding but God wants you to have more than just an intellectual understanding he wants you to have a heart view revelation and this comes when we have intent to seek his face you know we're seeing you know just revivals you know that are happening in different parts even in one of our denominational universities at Lee University God is moving upon and it's not some crazy, you know, people rolling on the floor. It's just people coming to seek God. People coming to see their need of God. We're seeing God glorify himself like we have not seen in a long while. But when wickedness arises, God's presence is there to sustain us. And that's what he's saying. I'm here. You might see this world turning upside down. You might see wickedness you know, increase like never before. But he's saying, I'm still here. I'm still God. I can still speak to that generation, that younger generation. I can still move and do miracles. I can still do great things. I'm still in control. And that's what we can rejoice. And knowing that our God is great. And he's not, you know, underhand or undermined by the wickedness that is happening at this time but he is love. You know, and God wants to meet you where you are. But will you seek him? Will you seek his glory? Will you seek to know him more? And so every one of those people who had that encounter, they had a response. There was a time for response. So in the vision that, that, God, Pastor, uh, that God gave Pastor Mona for this church is know God and make him known. And you see that in all of the, those people, they got to know God and then they made him known. And so how do we make him known? It's by knowing him, but not just intellectually, encountering and appropriating uh, his truth to our lives. Isaiah, in the presence of God, recognizes his sin, and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. God cleanses him, atones for his sin. And what is Isaiah's response when God says, who will I send? Isaiah says, send me. He was ready to be sent from that moment on because he encountered God's love, his forgiveness, his empowerment from that moment. And so God doesn't want just to send us, you know, on our own. He wants to empower us as well, to be a light in the darkness, to make his name known to the generation that is around us. And in Dan for Daniel, you know, he's, you know, he encounters God's presence. He's kind of like, I'm dead. I'm like, I can't even move at this, at this point. 
And then he, uh, then one, the one who looked like a man touched his, touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. It was a touch from God's presence that enabled him to open his mouth again. And he was saying, and, and he says, again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. He says, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. He said, peace, be strong now, be strong. And he says, when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you give me strength. And so then we're ready to hear what God wants to say through our lives as well. And Moses' response when he meets with God, he worships. You know, true worship arises not just from an intellectual understanding of God. It comes from a, an encounter with God. When you really know who he is. You know, a lot of our songs have, you know, I don't know if you've noticed how, what we've done with our songs for worship. But we pick a lot of songs that, where the focus is not us, but the focus is Jesus. The focus is God. Because we want to magnify the Lord. We want to help you as a people see God for who he is and worship him as he truly is. But what about our personal time of worship? How many of us find it difficult to worship on our personal time? Just to give him praise. To give him the praise that is due him. Or just wake up with that song in our hearts and just singing to our Lord. You know, a lot of us, have we miss that part of our Christian walk with God, that relationship. But when we really know who our God is, then it expresses itself in praise and in singing. Dr. Tony Evans says, when you come to worship God, you come for the audience of one. He says, you know, our heart cry should be, to be, our heart cry should be, God, I'm going to sing so you hear my voice praise you. And I'm going to listen so I can hear what you have to say to me because it's about you. Sometimes we make worship about us. Sometimes we make church about us. Sometimes we make seeking God about us. But when we put ourselves aside, we put, make God the focus, then he meets our needs anyway. By virtue of who he is, by virtue of encountering his presence, you know, and that's why we sang that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It takes its rightful place. You know, one thing that Moses said, you know, he said to God, he says, I don't want us to go without you. He says, will you come with us wherever we go? Because what will make the difference between us and other nations if you don't come with us? God had given them rules and regulations to follow, but it's not just doing the, you know, being more right or doing less wrong things that makes us different from unbelievers. Really, it's the presence of God. It's the glory of God in our lives shining to others. It's the power of God in our lives shining to others. That's what makes a difference. It's not about our ability to do what is right or wrong. Because, you know, the best of us fail <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so it's not, that's not the measurement. The measurement of how people are going to recognize who God is is really God's presence in us. 
So experiencing um, experiencing God's glory requires internet, inten, intentionality. I had a hard time with that word. In making it about Him and not ourselves. But like I said, the funny thing is, when we encounter His glory, all our needs are met in Him. <coughs> His love meets us there. So there's two levels of fellowship with God. You can, like the people of Israel, experience His acts, or like Moses, experience His ways. We can be comfortable with saying our prayers and having other people speak on our behalf, uh, on God's behalf to us. You know, you can come on Sundays and just hear the sermon, leave, and not experience God for yourself on a daily basis. Or we can seek God for ourselves and experience Him in greater fullness. Pastor Wilkerson said, Worship is an outbreak of the revelation of who God is. And once you have that vision of who He is, it will fill you with all of His fullness. Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verses 19, and it says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you want to be filled? I want to be filled. I don't want to be just surviving my every day. I don't want to just do what is right. I want to be filled with God's fullness. But that's actually a choice. See, we can have salvation, go to heaven, but never really experience the fullness of God. And that's what God wants for you. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed to his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that's a key verse because we don't change ourselves. It is God's Spirit in us who changes us. But he says, you know, says we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. As we contemplate his glory, we are being changed. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat and drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you're doing in your day-to-day life, let it not hinder your ability to spend time with God, your ability to connect with God, your ability to see Him in His fullness. You know, Dr. Tony Evans said something. He says, it's, you know, if I stand, you know, next to an object, the more I'm, the further I am away from that object, the smaller it is. But not because it's gotten actually smaller in size. It's because my vision of it has gotten smaller. The way we position ourselves changes our view of God. And so all we have to do is change our position. That means that we position our hearts to seek the Lord. We position our hearts to hear His voice. We position our hearts to seek His face. And then we will see him. He will be found by those who seek him. God wants to be found by you. But he's not going to impose himself on you. Neither. And so that's our choice. And what's really cool, you know, we see with Moses, after he left that encounter with God, because he had encountered God on many occasions. He had spent a lot of time in that tent praying with God. Never did his face shine. But when he experienced God's glory, he came down from the mountain, and he didn't know that, but his face was shining. There was something different 
drastically different about Moses when he came down from that experience. God wants to make himself shine upon you. And he wants your life to shine upon others with his glory, his presence. So do you want your life to shine for Jesus? Like I said, it's not how many rules you follow. It comes from experiencing his glory. It comes from experiencing him. I'm going to ask the, uh, the worship team to come up. And so... Let's think it's just a moment just to consider, you know, what have we been intentional with? Because we're intentional with all kinds of things. And we can fill our time with all kinds of things. But what are those things really bringing us in the end? Because the enemy will, is pretty sly about that. You know, oh, you're so tired, so you need to, you know, just check out, you know, and do the things that just occupy your mind. But how about we seek the Lord and find true rest? All those things that have been nagging in the back of your mind, that have been draining you, God wants to give you rest from these things. He wants to resolve those things. You know, this was a, a particularly difficult week for me. And I had to put my little dog down, but you know, it's, it's a dog, but it was making a decision that I found very, very difficult. And it was weighing me down. Now I had two choices. I could cope with that situation or I could experience things differently. And this week, God gave me supernatural grace. All he was asking me is to come to him instead of just trying to cope. Because, you know, we all do things to cope. I'll just watch some videos or like to watch politics, unfortunately. I, you know, stay in the rational brain so I don't have to deal with my emotions. Hey, crying. <laughs> but God was saying, why don't you come to me? Do it things my way. So I needed to process my emotions, things that I don't like to do. I needed to let God inside of this place in my heart and to, so that I would be okay with the decisions that he was asking me to make in the first place. And as I came to him, I said, God, I just need your comfort. Didn't mean that I wasn't sad. Didn't mean that I didn't go through difficult things. But instead of bottling things down and just coping with, I started following in his steps and experiencing his comfort, experiencing his presence but experiencing the relief because this would have been a lot longer process for me of recovery if I had not leaned on his grace, not leaned on his presence, not leaned on his direction because in the light of his presence, I found comfort because, he's, because of who he is, simply because of who he is, not just because of what he can do, but just who he is in his presence, I found comfort. Finding comfort to make difficult decisions, decisions I don't want to make. And sometimes just doing the things that I have a hard time doing, being real, being transparent, not uh, um, 
isolating myself from others, but welcoming them in. God wants to do the same. As long as we're just trying to cope with life, you know, we don't have, we don't have what it takes to lo- show God's love to others. Not from our own strength. God wants to fill your heart. And this morning I can stand here with strength and grace because of his love. So I want you to take a moment. All those things that have been weighing you down, all those things that you've been avoiding, I want you to take that moment with God as we sing the next song. Just release them to him. God's not angry. He's not disappointed. He's not frustrated with you. He just wants you. He wants your heart. Will you want God's heart as well? Ask him for his heart concerning these things as we sing this song. You know, folks, sometimes we don't experience the presence and the glory of God in our lives because we don't see our need of Him. And it's probably the biggest distractor in people's lives and the biggest thing that people say, I'll do my own thing without God. Or I'll go so far with God, like Erica said, and the people turned away because of the glory of God, because they were scared of God. Because, you see, like Daniel, God spoke to Daniel. And he said, Daniel, the day that you sought me, the day that you sought me, you turned your eyes towards me. The day that you humbled yourself, God said, When I humbled myself, I heard you. And when we humble ourselves, folks, that's when God reveals himself. He'll come and he'll reveal himself. And the problem when God reveals himself is that it will illuminate our hearts. And that's sometimes where we get stuck because, like Erica was saying, when God flashes that light into a dark room, everything that's in that room gets exposed. And there's a lot of things in our hearts sometimes that we don't want exposed because it hurts. Because there's things that are ugly in there. There's things that we don't want to deal with in there. And yet that's where God's people will stop and they'll turn away from that glory and they'll turn away from that presence and say, no, I'm I'm just going to go my own way and do my own thing now because it hurts too much. But like Erica said, we have a God that loves us. A God that created heaven and earth and everything that surrounds it. And the greatness of God is unfathomable. You look up into the stars at night and it's like, God, how great you are. Beyond comprehension. And yet, He's worthy of our praises. He's worthy of everything Everything that was created, everything that he ever did. Look at the cross. He went there for you and he went there for me. That we might be able to have fellowship again with him. Folks, how important are you and I to to Jesus? The most important. Out of everything that he's ever done, you and I are his burden. You and I are the apple of his eye. You know, when we say that he's worthy of everything, he's worthy of our praise, but he's also worthy, folks, of you this morning. 
of coming and bringing your needs and bringing your hurts and bringing your pains because that's what he longs for. He longs for that from his people. That's fellowship with God. And then God begins the work. When we humble ourselves and he, he, he does the work and he begins that work in our hearts. And then we experience the presence and the glory of who he is. And then it gives us the confidence and the enablement to walk our days. Even though we're going through the things that we're going through and there's things that are bogging us down. We're able to turn our gaze to this great king who loves his people. And then again, we just experience the benefits of God doing the work. Folks, you serve an awesome and a great God and a great king who longs for fellowship, but we need to understand our need. Don't be scared of God illuminating your heart. He already knows what's there. But he just wants it revealed so that we understand the sin and just the things that we need to give to him and the, needs that, the things that we need to ask forgiveness for so that he can line us up to his work for his honor and for his glory that he can work in and through us to those that are around us. So if you're here this morning, you're going to see there's some people with tags like this. We're simply here just to pray with you. We're here just to help you walk through some things. So we're going to sing that song again. And if you feel that you need prayer, you want to just lay anything down before God. Maybe you, maybe you lost your sight of who He is. Maybe, maybe you brought God, like we said last week, down to your own level. Forgot about His greatness and His goodness. Forgot about, I can experience God's presence. I can experience the glory of God in my life. And I can take those burdens, like He said, and He said, those that are laden and you're heavy laden and you're burdensome come to me and i'll give you rest i'll give you the rest that your heart and your soul needs because he has a plan for your life he has a plan for you